Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience all over the world is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime. You can reach us through our website at yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome to today's episode entitled Real Talk, What's Going On? And, you know, I thought about this topic, and I thought about it, and I said I know exactly how I want to approach it. So I've got a treat for you today. And I just want to let you know that normally we go anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. I've extended this time to an hour so that we can give it justice, because this is going to be a healthy, robust conversation. And we are blessed to have with us online today ordained clergy. And we're going to talk about what's going on, not only in our world, our nation, our communities, states, but other things. You name it, we'll probably touch on it. But before we start our conversation, I want my guests, my brothers in Christ, to to introduce themselves. And we'll start with Watchman Stephen Anderson. Hello, everybody. My name is Stephen Anderson. And I am uh, assisting here and uh, coming to you from Chicago, Southside. And I was just going to say the Lord's blessing upon everyone that's here and, uh, and, and get some help, uh, and myself included. Say hello, and I love everybody. Love you all. Thank you. Pastor Lonnie Arnold. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's a blessing to be here with you all. And uh, my greetings to you from the city of Tacoma, Washington. Uh, I'm an assistant pastor at New Salem Baptist Church. I'm also a retired police sergeant and, uh, and an African-American male, which is all of those things are going to weigh into our discussion today. Blessings. Amen. And Elder Homer Haynes. Hey, it's wonderful to be here with you today. Um, I serve the Lord at Community Bible Fellowship in the Skyway area um, of Seattle. I, I live in Renton, Washington. Love it, little small, sleepy little town. Um, I originally hailed from Chicago, West Side, and um, been serving the Lord and learning how to serve the Lord for, for a number of years. And uh, I look forward to this conversation today. Amen. And I just want to thank you all for being here and taking the time out of your busy schedules to be here. So before we get into our question and answer and discussion, I just want to say this. In May of 1971, Marvin Gaye released an album entitled What's Going On? You know, I Googled it to see what it being, what's being said about that song today. I can listen to that song and almost tell you exactly where I was in May of 1971. And this is what I found. It said, Marvin Gaye's protest, protest anthem, What's Going On, was a powerful and ground 
groundbreaking song at the time of its release in 1971. But fast forward nearly 50 years later, and it is still sadly just as relevant for the world in 2020. Now, I want to read you the first three verses, or the first of the three verses, and then I want to read you the chorus. And just think about those, those lyrics, and then we're going to move into our discussion. Verse one, mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Verse two, father, father. We don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer, for only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Verse 3, mother, mother, everybody thinks we're wrong. Oh, but who are they to judge us simply because our hair is long? Oh, you know we've got to find a way to bring some understanding here today. And this is the chorus. Picket lines and picket signs. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. All right. That was back in 1971. How long do we have to be quiet? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can start talking now. Did did that did that song did did it did it did, do you remember where you were, Elder Homer, in May of nineteen seventy one? Yes, yes, I do. I was a I was a senior in high school and my parents, if if they were alive today, I don't know if they would love or hate that song because album I played it just I played the grooves off of that album. Uh, just over and over again, and so it, it it does resonate with me. But it's been a while since I actually took the time to 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 hear those lyrics, and it it just it fits what we're experiencing yes, it today. Does. Yes, it does. It does. Right. It does. Right. Yes, it does. Funny thing about it though, back then I wasn't walking with the Lord the way I was supposed to. Today yes, I got yeah. the Lord, so those lyrics even more mean even more today than they did back then. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Only love can conquer hate. Yes, sir. I'm trying okay. to get Pastor Lonnie started. I'm trying to get him fired up over there. I, I can hear it already. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you gonna get me going, he started, man. <laughs> he, he started that baritone laugh. I know it's coming. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. Thank you. That was good reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, how what what is going on with with you the three of you? I mean, uh, let, let let's talk about how all that's been going on has impacted you, and and what has been your response to it all. So, uh, Watchman, Watchman, I'll let you speak to that if you'd like, sir. Well, one of the things that that the Lord has been uh, revealing to me is uh, he's shaking. Uh, let, let me rephrase. Let me start it. Take two. The book of Revelation from chapter 5 all the way to 19 is uh, filled with the judgment that closed down various belief systems. 
Now we're not in the we're not in the tribulation, but the Lord is drawing people closer to Him by allowing certain things, uh, COVID nineteen, uh, a lot of politics, and various things that to, to I guess you would say make people nervous. I, I'll put it like that. And what's actually happening is it's the beginning of the closing down of certain of this uh, age of grace is closing out, and the Lord is a merciful God. He doesn't want people to, you know, he doesn't want that anyone should perish. So he's allowing the foundation of especially America and other countries to be shaken to the point where people are starting to realize they can't really rely on the government, okay? Where is the second stimulus package for America? <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't really rely on um, uh, our, our say, society to to help as much as we would like it to. So that's happening in various countries around the world, and the Lord is allowing people to be shaken to the point where uh-huh. I see it as a, it's time to draw nigh, draw nigh to the Lord, and he'll draw nigh to us. So I've basically just been doing a lot of, uh, for me personally, I've been doing a lot of observation on what's going on in the news today. I, I, more, most of my uh, ministry work is cyber work now, and I started on my third, uh, the Lord made me start on my third book, and the title of it is Building Your Ark. And oh. the uh, yeah, secondary title uh, under that is Escaping the Failure of the World System. And so, oh. you know, Babylon is falling. You know, we can see it is crumbling. It's kind of, you, and you can't put your trust in uh, the Lord says in Jeremiah. You can't, you know, curse is a curse is a man who puts his trust in another man. So you can't really trust the government. You can't trust the police. I'm a former Chicago police gang crimes officer. Uh, been worked undercover, worked uh, gang crimes for for years, uh, and. And back in the 90s, and left actually left the Chicago Police to go into ministry school and, and uh, left uh, graduated ministry school and ordained uh, a lot, uh, uh, elder in the body of Christ. So these various systems, you can't put your trust in. You can, what are we going to do about education? You can't trust it. Do you go to school or do you stay at home and look at the laptop? What about the police? Do you get pulled over? Will you be alive after you get pulled over? Uh, my personal experience, we didn't shoot everybody that had a gun. <laughs> I chased people, you know, Lonnie could probably attest to this as well. I chased people who had guns in their hands, and I didn't uh-huh. shoot them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I chased yeah. peanut one time. <laughs> you know, anyway, don't go into a street court. Here we go. My point being is... <laughs> The systems, the systems that we grew up trusting, some of us, you know, not all of us, but, you know, they're really falling apart. Whatever trust you had in a police department, if you're an African-American, is really kind of, that's gone pretty much out the window. And so I've been focusing on, you know, myself personally, just, you know, more quiet time with the Lord. I see more quiet time with the Lord in his presence being still as a as a great help to not focus so much on what's going on in in the world today. 
that's my response to that question. That's mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. Uh, Pastor Lonnie, that's good. A uh, watchman. Thank you, uh, Pastor Lonnie. What what about you? What's well, how have you been act, impacted, and and what has been your response? First, I want to say um, I love uh, where Watchman started off. He started off talking oh. about uh, God's focus and what's God up to. And uh, I think, you know, in order to, to really get into this subject, for me personally, I have to start the conversation vertically instead of horizontally. Huh. You know, if I start the conversation horizontally about what's going on down here and how does it impact me and how am I responding to it, 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 it starts becoming about me. Mm-hmm. And, but when I start the conversation vertically, where I'm asking the question, what's God up to, or what does God want me to do in light of the situation? Now, all of a sudden, I'm focused on God's agenda in contrast Um, to the human agendas that we're constantly seeing in conflict with one another. I mean, so if you you look at the law enforcement side, if you look at Black Lives Matter, you listen to liberals, versus conservatives, there's all of this tension. And, you know, I asked myself, how do, how do I get away from that? Or how do I, how do I manage that? Well, for me, the, the only way that I can get my right perspective is to go vertical and um, to ask the Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to perceive what's going? And so when I, when I think about that, it takes my mind back to the church because the church is the only divinely ordained institution that has been given the message of reconciliation that's centered on the cross of Jesus Christ. So with all of this racial tension that we have in America, you know, um, white police officers killing, um, black citizens and the resulting conflict and racial tension that we feel it's like, God, how do we bring this together? Well, if we, if we look at this politically, there's no political solution to it um, because it's a spiritual problem. And so uh-huh. when, when, when the whole George Floyd situation occurred as a black man, when I saw that, it grieved me because that could have been me. And so there's a a very personal side to the conflict. Um, But then it also frustrated me because um, having been a sergeant in the police department, it was my job to make sure that that kind of thing didn't happen to a citizen. You know, we have been entrusted with authority that is, is supposed to be used with wisdom and discretion. And that particular situation uh, didn't display those two attributes. And so that was really frustrating. And so as, you know, one of the things that I did in response to that, obviously, was to be praying about the situation and asking the Lord, where do you want me in this, I mean, when mm-hmm. when the George Floyd situation hit, uh, it, it was like it it was like a volcano erupting in the country, and mm. there were 
emotions and awakenings that um, hadn't been expressed to the degree that they had been expressed in the past. And it just seemed like we hit a tipping point. And so one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart to do in response to this was to assemble a group of pastors, uh, black and white, and begin talking with them about what, what should we do as leaders in community to bring reconciliation. And really, it, it had to start with us um, uh-huh. because the church is, has been segregated in America uh, for years, for decades, actually, centuries. And if we're segregated, then we don't have a whole lot to say to the world. We, don't, we can't go out and say, hey, come listen to us. And because we can talk to you about re- reconciliation, we can't we can't say that credibly when we're when we're worshiping separate from one another. And the truth be told, we've been practicing social distancing from each other long before COVID nineteen. Uh, uh. And and so um, coming together, bringing calling together a group of pastors to say, okay, let's begin. One, to build relationships with each other, build relationships between our congregations, learn about each other's lives and struggles, and and pursue the unity that's described in John chapter uh, 17, where Jesus prayed that we believers in Christ would be one as he and the Father are one. Uh-huh. And then he says, so that the world would believe that he's the son of God. So in, in short, that just simply means Jesus wants white and black, Hispanic, Asian. He wants us all in Christ to be so tight in our relationship with one another that we resemble the relationship between the father and the son and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity. And he says, when we do that, when we have those kinds of relationships with each other, it'll turn the heads of the world, get their attention, and they will actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God because of what they see in our lives. And so when we look at what's going on in the community, it really, in one sense, is an, an indictment against the spiritual life of the church. We should be leading the way and modeling a love and a unity that, that transcends what the world normally experiences. And I'll stop right there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Elder Homer, what would, what, what would your response be? <laughs> listen to the watchman and Pastor Lonnie's got my heart just beating. Uh, anyway, um, I'll tell you, this whole experience has been it's been incredibly personal um you know it's particularly a, a, the racial aspect of it i have been working in corporate america for 30 40 years now and um i'll tell you i the 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 uniform that i put on the mental uniform that i put on every day uh it, it's really personal how i dress what my i don't have any hair anymore so i don't have to worry about it being cut but but everything, my appearance, the way I carry myself on a daily basis is, is pretty much I've been indoctrinated. So 
Mm-hmm. So um, when we start talking about unrest and when black men are, are being killed and it's in the news, it, it's really personal, and it rocked me to the core, to the absolute core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I had to go to the Lord for that. I had to go to the Lord and ask him, uh, what is, what's the purpose in this? What do you want me to do? I echo what, what uh, Pastor Lonnie just said. What, what do you want me to do about this? How, what action do I need to take? And fully realizing that God is, in fact, drawing us closer to him with all of the circumstances that are happening right now. Uh, Without pointing fingers at anybody, any political party, any group of people, I feel very responsible. Whenever I see a young man that's having difficulty with the police, I feel that that young man is having difficulty with the police because I, when my my time as a young man was there, I didn't do my job. I didn't stand up right. I didn't line up with my political local representatives. I, I didn't become a part of the right movements. So now here we are. We, we, we're talking about what's going on, the, the, the record album that was cut back in 1971, and here in two, 2020, we're still talking about the same stuff. That's an indication that I didn't do my job when I had an opportunity, and that's mm. how I take that. So God is a God of second chances. So what I'm doing is, is I'm looking for opportunities, every opportunity I can, I can to line up with folks and to be available if anybody wants to know about my experience, how I've coped all these years, what's on my mind, I, I'm available to them. You know, I'm an, mm-hmm. I'm an open book, even though the stuff is incredibly personal to me because I don't feel that my response has been on point. I don't feel that I've been a total, uh, that I've been totally responsible as a black man to hold people accountable for the way that they might have mistreated me or somebody around me. I think I've been coping for 30, 40 years trying to make it in corporate America instead of just just be a man. Just be a man. And now uh-huh. just be a man of God. Uh-huh. You know, just be a man of God. And and that is the, uh-huh. the you know, where I go in the situation. My church, Community Bible Fellowship, uh, you know, we are a diverse church. But we struggle. At, we're struggling with all of this. I see many of my white brothers and sisters struggling to engage with, 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 with us black folk. Uh, about what we might be encountering. I, I, I've heard folks that are in denial. I, I've had one gentleman say, you know, there's, there's racism on both sides. And, and I have to tell him, well, wait a minute. Let me just speak from what I've experienced personally. My people didn't teach me that. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't taught that. I was taught how to cope and how to navigate the society such as it is and, and keep my life intact. My, you know, my dad instructed me early on in terms of how to deal with police and, and give them the respect and keep your hands where they can see them, all these types of things. I've had to, mm-hmm. It's difficult for me to have that. I mean, I'm, I, any young man that comes uh, uh, within my sphere of influence, I'm willing to share that same stuff. But at some point in time, uh, we, 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 we must... I think stand up. When these guys are standing up and they're protesting, I, I have to check myself because, yeah. see, I'm, I'm not sure that the way that I have coped with things down through the years has been on point. So uh-huh. I have to go to the Lord because we are, in fact, dealing with a spiritual issue. So, yeah. so there's nobody, there's nobody in politics that can help us. There's no one can help us. No institution that can help us. This, 
these circumstances are God-ordained. And so I'm looking to, to the Lord for, for the solutions there. That, that's pretty much how I've been coping. Amen. Amen. We, we, we've got a caller on the line. I'm going to ask this caller if they want to identify themselves and if they have a question for any of our uh, guests on today. No? Caller on the line, do you have, do you have a question for any of our guests? Okay, maybe not. All right. So, Gosh, so so you all had some really, really good responses, and I think there's a central theme in that because we're all believers in Christ, we have to go back to what is God doing. So, and, and hello? Okay, what, what, what is God doing? And uh, we, we have to, 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 to line ourselves up with what he's doing and what his will is for this season of time right now and, and just hope and pray that um, our response to him is one that where we are able to still praise him, still have hope in him, still believe and trust in his word during these times because I, like Elder Homer, I have had some hard times with this, and then I found that it was very difficult for me to articulate you know, if it was someone who was not of color asking me these questions, and I'm saying, just look around, you know, look around and just, you know, go back and, and educate yourself on what's been happening to, to black people for 401 years. I mean, it's not, you know, I know the narrative has been changed, and I know that, you know, uh, it's been uh, eliminated, you know, it's been eradicated. I know when I was in high school, we had to demand go to our library and demand that they order and have available to us black books so that we can check them out, you know. And so there's, there's a lot that has, has gone on. But this is a question I want to ask. So, so, so we know we have to go to, to our Heavenly Father, and we have to um, root it. We have to root it in the sovereignty of God. But I want to ask this question. Does America have an elephant in the room? If so, what will it take to reform our nation? And if someone is bold enough to say what the elephant is, go for it. So, uh, Elder Homer, Watchman, Anderson, whichever one of you wants to go first, go, go for it. And then I'll swing back around to Pastor Lonnie. Well, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and take this risk. Uh, you know, the the I feel that that our current um, administration in the White House is an issue. You know, and the reason why I would say is just that there's been several opportunities for for them to for I'm talking the whole administration to step step up. Uh, we let's start out with the with the with the COVID nineteen. There there was an opportunity to step up and lead. Secondly, we we've had some racial unrest. There was an opportunity to step up and lead there and to reconcile. Uh The third thing was, I'm I'm thinking if we look at the, the, the fires and, and the upheaval there, maybe we go ahead and extend that to still some of the, the, the unrest from folks uh, protesting. We still have an opportunity to reconcile there as well. And and from where I sit, 
I, I don't see an effort to reconcile. I see efforts to further divide. Now, now mm. having said that, um, I, I'm fully aware that that uh, we we have a media that that uh, capitalizes on on illuminating division. You know, it, it wouldn't be news if it didn't show the divide between our citizenry. But 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 the the thing that I thought that that made America truly great is the fact that we could disagree without burning down the town, and and so that that that's where it looks like I'm, I've just been totally wrong on that. Hmm. And and much hmm. of the America that I thought we had, I, I'm not I'm not sure it, it it exists. So that what what it's done for me. So so the elephant in the room, I, I'd say I'd start there. Now, having said that, I'm going to tell you that, that we've got career politicians that are in office, and, and they, they've all been, you know, at, should be at the ready to deal with all of this stuff. And so I'm, I'm holding them all accountable for, for, for where we are right now, just, not just the White House, but I, but I look to the Congress, I look to the Senate, I look to our local representatives as well. That that we we that there needs to be some self self examination going on there, and you know, in terms of how effective have they actually been in taking care of their constituents, whether the constituents are left or right, we are all one constituency. And so whenever I hear somebody talk, the Dems are doing this or the Dem, or the Republicans are doing that, I'm saying, look, I need to hear somebody that that talks to America as Americans, not as red or blue. And and so that that's that's I think the, the, the political aspect of things is the elephant in the room at this point in time. Okay. All right, that's good. Uh Watchman, what what do you think? Is there an elephant in the room and what will it take to reform our nation? And if you want to take a stab at what that elephant is, go ahead. Well I I would say in America has have a false, uh, a false assurance that politicians or politics will be able to lead America out of its current state. And having said that, that means that if there's a type of politics that uh, I'm, I'm might be the youngest person on the line. I'm not, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but <laughs> I'm only I'm only 57. I was born at 63, but I'll say it like this: the politics that that we used to have in America, uh, you know, I would say, perfect, you know, through the 80s and the 90s was pretty much non-trader politics. In other words, you know, eventually Democrats and Republicans are going to find a way to get through it. Today, we don't have that. Uh, uh, the current president uh, is attempting to gain re-election via racism, uh, you know, sub-tweeting, uh, whistle, dog whistling, however you want to turn it, sometimes just blatantly, <laughs> you know. Uh, but New York knew and understood who Donald Trump was. He lost New York, I believe, by 22 percentage point. Well, that's because they knew who Donald Trump was. Donald Trump cannot borrow a dime on uh, on Wall Street. 
he hasn't been able to borrow any money since the 90s because everybody on Wall Street knows who Donald Trump is. He has literally failed at every business he has taken control of. He has failed at. And he has caused that business to fail because he takes the money out of the business and doesn't reinvest in his own businesses. So he's basically a con artist. Well, the rest of America doesn't, didn't really understand that in 2015, 2016, when he ran uh, for the presidency. They just, you know, he told race, racially, he told a somewhat racially divided country what they wanted to hear, all through the South, uh, all through the West, all through whatever the plain state, and got enough votes when the Electoral College lost the uh, popular vote by 3 million. I think it was at least 3 million. So he told everybody what they wanted to hear. Also, a lot of people, they don't understand the the modus operandi of Donald Trump is the same as Hitler. Hitler had a minister of information named Joseph Goebbels. And Joseph Goebbels was in charge of propaganda for the nation of Germany. At the time, and, and back in the 19, late 1930s into the early 40s, Joseph Goebbels' job was—he's the one that came up with the actual quote: "Tell a lie big enough, and tell a lie often enough, and people will eventually believe it." Well, that's Donald Trump's modus operandi. That's that's how he works every day. That's why he lies so much. Well, everybody in New York understood that, but it's taken uh, until now for the rest of the country to understand that Donald Trump is basically, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest liar in human history, <laughs> let alone being the president and the biggest liar in human history. Donald Trump will tell a lie and believe it himself after he said it so many times. <laughs> And then he expects everybody else to believe it because he's like, I, I, I'm Donald Trump. Well, that's when he was CEO of something. Well, I'm the president. So if I say it, it, it's actually what it is because I'm the president. He loves dictators. He loves dictatorships. He loves the dictators in various countries, Venezuela. Uh, who's the other one over in, I think, I want to say Turkey, uh, Putin, uh, Gene, he loves the Chinese leadership because they don't have any term limits on their presidents anymore. He loves Vladimir Putin because there's no term limit. So he's even hinted at, you know, we shouldn't have term limits in America. Also, he's also suggested that if he loses, then he won't go quietly. <laughs> I guess the Secret Service will have to escort him out of the White House because he believes, well, excuse me, He's trying to continue the presidency by any means necessary. So if he has to stop the mail, if he has to kill people so that they don't get their prescriptions and they die, then he's willing to do that. It's called the trade of a, I wrote a book called How to Let Them Go, and it's also called, and the Lord showed me about the trait of a murderer. Not every person, not every person who has the ability to murder people actually kills people. It's called a trait of a murderer. So he has the trait of a murderer. I've, I've, you know, caught murderers before, taking them into custody, and they are the most selfish people in the world. Why do you have these cuffs on me? That's that, that's what I really remember the most. Why do you, I said, do you, do you know why you're in the squad car? You're in the squad car because you killed so-and-so last week. That's why you're in the squad car. So 
what do you learn about the cuff for? Murderers get handcuffed. So one of the things Donald Trump is trying to do is he's trying to retain power so that he doesn't get indicted by the uh, Southern District of New York and the Eastern District of New York. He's got a lot riding on this uh, election, personally, because uh-huh. they're going through uh-huh. his taxes. But that's why all Donald Trump's money is foreign. If you might just, you know, allow me to continue talking here for a little bit. All of Donald Trump's dealings financially are foreign because he can't borrow money in New York because they know who he is. He's stolen enough money and enough people have filed bankruptcy because he wouldn't pay him. That's when he was supposed to be, air quote, a billionaire. Well, all of his money is foreign, so he doesn't want, he undervalues like, like his uh, former fixer, uh, lawyer, uh, counselor, Terry Collins used to say, he undervalues things, he overvalues when he wants to sell and make money, he undervalues when he has to pay taxes. So they're going to get him for a tax fraud, but, you know, if, if he can convince enough people, which I don't really see it happening, because now people are scared. This guy, is a, he's a dictator. He operates like a dictator. He stops people's mail. He voted by mail from Florida. And then he tell, told every, telling everybody else, you can't vote by mail because he knows people are coming out. People are afraid that Donald Trump will get four more years. So you can't trust him. He's willing to kill people. You know, people, veterans, they gave hydrochloroquine to a thousand veterans in the VA hospital system, and a thousand of them died. They gave it to over a thousand, but a thousand of them, you know, might be alive today if they didn't give something that wasn't, wasn't was proven by science to not even be, you know, effective. Now, COVID-19, he, he told everybody it'll just go away. He told uh, Woodward and Bernstein, the two, one of the guys who caught uh, Richard Nixon, a uh, great uh, journalist, he told him, well, I downplayed it uh, on purpose. Well, which is it? You know, you know, you, either, you know, know what you're doing or you don't know what you're doing. Donald Trump doesn't know what he's doing, but he doesn't care about that. His objective is as long as I get reelected. He's not going to get reelected in 2020. He's going to yes. get indicted by the New York, uh, Southern District of New York, and the Eastern District of New York, and probably another court in Virginia somewhere. He's going to get indicted. He's probably going to be the first. If, if, if he's probably going to be the first president to actually go to the federal penitentiary, and they may not like him enough to put him in a penitentiary where he can, he can play tennis every other day. He's probably going to be in a real federal penitentiary. And so, and he understands that. And I'm quite sure many of his attorneys, if they are uh, work their way in whatever amount they're being paid, they probably already told them they got. So you either win the election, or you go to the. So he's going to jail. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, he's going to jail. He, he's going to lose. Biden's going to beat him. That's why he's crying so much about if it's going to be a rigged election. It's going to be this and that. They're going to drag him out the White House, kicking and screaming on January 21st. He's, he's, he's not so, going quietly. He's going, as a backdrop you know, he's to that. Yeah. So, so yeah, one of the watchmen. Go ahead. So, okay. So, so that's, a, that's a large elephant that you just described. It is. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a big, and we can't unpack that. We really can't unpack that because I want to go back to what you said when we first started out, and that is basically that God is, allowing this to happen and he's dismantling 
all of the, you know, basically the, the you know, the, the what did you say? You you say what you said because. Well, the, the, the age of grace, this current age, the Old Testament prophets uh-huh. didn't see how long it was going to last. And so this current age, God is not slack concerning his promise to return as some people consider slackness. But he is giving people time to repent. And the Lord showed me that that is the definition of the age of grace, also known as the church age the kind of age that we're living in. Well, the Lord, if people, if everything keeps going like it was going in 2019 or, you know, 1994, if everything just continues the exact same way it's been going, people are not going to get scared enough to turn to the Lord. King David said, when I was afflicted, I sought the Lord. (laughs) So Uh the Lord has, he has a merciful way of allowing these things to happen to shake our belief system so that we don't rely on the government, so that we don't rely okay. on the police officer when those blue lights pull up. He's allowing this to happen because he's closing out the age of grace. And if he okay. lets everybody, he's going to throw up as a thief in the night. But God is merciful. It's like if I let, things, if I let some earthquakes happen, if I let some fires happen, if I let some, some, some crooked politicians be in charge of the whole United States government, Senate and and White House, then people are going to realize they can't trust C down there, and eventually we are all going to have to shift our focus, do a paradigm shift, and and start to say, okay, Lord, uh, can you help me out of this? Because my 401k just went down with the with the whatever. Today the stock market was up. Yesterday it was down 600 points. Today it's up 700 points. You know, Lord, help me, because my retirement is about to – Lord, my check didn't show up because they got that pool in there messing with the mail, and now I can't get my check or I can't get my medication. So we have to rely. Like Ron said earlier, we have to rely on the Lord. We have to go vertical. <laughs> we can't just keep looking sideways. We don't have to that's go right. vertical. That's, that's, that's probably I, one of the things. All right. That, that's a good segue into Pastor Lonnie. Do you think there's an elephant in the room? And what is it going to take to reform our nation? I, I gotta, I gotta hear it before this podcast ends. What's, what is it going to take? What's the answer to what is going on in this world? <laughs> okay. Go, Pastor well, Lonnie. So, so I'm going to come at this from a little different perspective. Um, I don't, I don't believe the problem is Donald Trump. And if Joe Biden got into the White House, I don't believe Joe Biden would be the problem. I don't believe any president that's been there is the problem. I I don't believe the Congress is the problem or the Senate is the problem. Um, I believe that the key elephant in the room is the one that Christians are probably the most hesitant to acknowledge it's us it's the huh. church huh. second chronicle second chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says if my people those uh-huh. are believers in christ uh-huh. who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear mm-hmm. from heaven and will forgive their sin and uh-huh. heal their land. 
So I'm, I'm going to come at this from a, a kind of a different perspective because I, as I go into the scriptures and I step away from, you know, all the players in this, whether it's the president, the house speaker, all these different political players, God's not speaking to them. He's speaking to us in the church. And Uh he has tied the welfare of the nation to the spiritual condition of the church. You might remember when uh, Abraham was advocating for Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham asked the question, if I find 50 righteous people there, will you spare the city? And God says, yes. Abraham drops the number. What about 45? Yes. What about 30? Yes. What about 10? Yes. And Abraham stops negotiating. But part of, part of the, the point of that story is that God will pour mercy out on a nation based on the relationship that he has with his people in that nation. And so when we, we look at the text in Second Chronicles 7.14, and if we shift the blame to anybody else, we're denying that we're culpable in this, that, that we as the people of God, we've gotten off track. And part of, part of our struggle in this whole arena is that we have gotten caught, caught up in political idolatry where we oh. are look, looking to politicians to improve the condition of the nation instead of looking to God condition of the nation. Because when we look to God, to improve the condition of the nation, God talks back to us and says, okay, I'll be glad to do that, do that, but this is what you need to do because you're my representatives in the nation. You're my ambassadors. You're the ministers of reconciliation. You're the ones who are supposed to bring peace. I mean, Donald Trump is not a problem for God. I mean, politically, and when you hear many Christians, it sounds like Donald Trump is is Satan incarnate and and that he is he's the biggest problem that we have. He's not. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse one says the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wills. Donald Trump is not a problem for God. Uh-huh, Donald Trump uh-huh. is in that position, and any any chaos that's going on in our land, in one sense, is God seeking to rouse the church to wake up out of its political idolatry. And here, here's one of the ways you can know we have political idolatry in the church. Do you get stressed out every four years? Do you start feeling anxiety about who's going to go to the White House? We, we hear over and over people saying, this is the most important election in our lifetime. And I say, hmm. no, it's not, because Jesus is still on the throne. 
and he's That's still right. in charge of everything. He has, he has not given up one ounce of sovereignty over what's going on in our country. And so we have to ask ourselves as believers, do we really understand what it means to be the church, to be salt and light in the world? Because that's what, that's what he called us to be. He called us to shed light in the darkness. He called us to be the salt of the earth so that, so that we are, in one sense, the preservative that, that uh, blesses the societies that we're, that we're blessed to be in. And so when you look at Second Chronicles, and he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now, I, I love what Pastor Homer said a few minutes ago when he took responsibility as a black man for where part of where we are right now. That's exactly what he's talking that this verse is talking about. We all have to own as the people of God to say we have fallen short of what God has called us to be in our society and we've gotten sidetracked. I mean when you when you look at our history as black people and where we are right now, we have been the victims. We are the victim race. And, and, there's, and, and I don't think there's anybody who would, would disagree with that. But what does that mean to us in the story of God, the God's writing right now? Um, the, the Bible tells us that we are to be imitators of Christ. So, so let me just give you a word about how black and white reconcile in the church when we keep our eyes fixed on the gospel. So imagine a black man uh, encountering Jesus and having a discussion with him where the black man says, you know, I, I was part of this victim race and, and I've been treated badly. And the black man is a believer in Christ. And Jesus can say to the black man, I know what it feels like to be falsely accused. I know what it feels like to be unjustly beaten. And I know what it feels like to be lynched. And, and, and Jesus saying to the black man, I want you to take a walk with me up to Calvary. And I want you to see, see this scene played out again. Remember when I said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus calls us as the victim, the victim race, to follow him and to die to ourselves to bring reconciliation. And then imagine Jesus going back down the hill and finding a white Christian saying, I, I, want, I want to have a talk with you too. And the white man throwing up his hands and saying, hey, I didn't do anything. I didn't have any slaves. I didn't, I didn't lynch anybody. I'm kind to people. And Jesus could say, like that white man might claim, look, I didn't do any sin. I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything to violate God's word or to bring judgment on myself. But because I love you and I love humanity, I'm going to take the blame. And I'm going to own what 
my uh, predecessors did, and I'm going to die to myself in order to bring healing. And so he bids the white man take a walk with me up to Calvary because you need to die to yourself too. And even if you didn't do anything specifically that you can pinpoint in your mind, you need to die to yourself because your brother who happens to be black is an image bearer of God. And I died for him. And I want you two to love each other in a way that would cause the world to be astonished at the relationship that you have because of the relationship you have with me. See, all of this political fallout that's happening, I mean, we, yes, we can look at the, at the news and we can dissect what's going on and we can talk about what this person is doing versus that person is doing, this person's lying, that person's lying, um, what the hidden agendas are and all those things. All those things are true. But, that, but, but that's not how we as the people of God um, enter into, the, into society with the solution. We enter into the society with a, solution, with a kingdom solution, recognizing that God is sovereign over all things. God's playing this thing out. And so when, when he is doing this work, who, whose attention is he really trying to get? We, we might think, well, he's trying to get the president's attention. He's trying to get the, the masses' attention. The Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. And so before God deals with the White House, he needs to deal with the church house. Because the, the church, is, like I said before, is the, is the only institution that brings about reconciliation. And so if, if, we're not, if we're not reaching out to our white brothers and sisters, to our Hispanic brothers and sisters, to our Korean brothers and sisters, if we are not reaching out and making it a point, being intentional, I, I, Jesus prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And I, so I would ask us the question, how, how are we doing at that? How can we justify our segregation in the church and say we're following Jesus the way he called us to? How can we sit back Amen. and cri- criticize the White House when our house is broken? And the Bible says a house divided against itself won't stand. The, the uh-huh. church in America, uh-huh. the, the church in America is weak. We're, we're not even, in terms of conversions, we're not keeping up with the growth of our nation. We're falling behind. Why is that? It's because we're divided. The racism that has been a part of the life of the church for 400 years, and, and we haven't eradicated it yet, the racism has divided us so that the church, in one sense, is spiritually impotent. And what, and what we have to do is we have to reunite. And so I, I, I've challenged my fellow pastors with this question. Are we the generation that God has called to turn the tide on racism in America? And I said, if we don't believe we are that generation, we won't be. And so in one sense, we're, we're like the children of Israel 
standing at the edge of the promised land and God saying to us, go in and take the land. And are we going to be like the first generation that said, no, we're not going in there. That, that problem's too big. We're not going to do that. And is God going to have to take us on a 40-year walk huh. to let the next generation take it? And, and I, I believe we're at, we're at the edge of the promised land right now. God is saying, okay, Amen. this is your opportunity to turn the tide on racism by being the church, by unifying, by trusting in the, the power of the gospel fleshed out in a unified church. I mean, when you, when you think about it, when the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us, the church, there's, victory is ours. But, uh-huh. but unfortunately, the world has, has convinced us that we're powerless, that we're, keep your mouths closed and, and keep your gospel to yourself. And, and just kind of kind of coexist with us all the while we've got they, they can't handle the power that we have and the glorious thing about the gospel and I'll wrap up with this the glorious thing about the gospel is that when we exert the power of God in the way that the scriptures call us to the people who oppose us blessed because they come to know yeah. Jesus Wow, amen Any mm-hmm. any comments or any responses uh, Elder Homer, Ooh, Watchman that's it. <laughs> that, that's it I mean, you know, you can't I, I, I just don't think you can move the needle Away from us uh, the, the church mm. is responsible God is sovereign he, he, you know, our president Is no real problem for the Lord uh, No one, no There's no political no one in the flesh is no one is a problem for God. And so you mm-hmm. you, you look at when you go to Second Chronicles seven and uh that, that if we turn to, to to the Lord in humility that he will heal our land, that I believe that. And I also believe that our circumstances are God ordained. You know, if you mm-hmm. go to, to the to the first Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen, it takes you right right through it. That mm. that uh, would rejoice, would pray, and would be thankful in our uh-huh. circumstances, and and that's, right. and that's uh, uh-huh. but I'm I'm gonna let the watchman go go, watchman, go ahead, brother. Watchman, what you got? Yes. <laughs> but the uh, the the thing that Pastor was saying is a is a wonderful point. There is no, you know, the Lord is above every government. He's a, he's uh-huh. he's in charge of everything seen in us in uh, in, in uh, what's that Colossians. He's the supreme being, the supreme commander. Uh, yes, pointing Amen. out Amen. what what the the politics, the current politics of this one nation. This is a, a international broadcast that we're doing right now. We're pointing out the the practical terms of. A Donald Trump presidency. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus didn't have any problems with saying, "Hey, I didn't. You think I came to bring peace? I ain't trying to bring no peace. I'm from 79th Street. I'm on the south side of Chicago. Donald Trump is a liar, and Jesus ain't got a problem with me saying that because Donald Trump is a liar. And the Book of Proverbs 
says, we can judge character. You wouldn't give a see the collection plate at church <laughs> and say, hey, man, I want you to take the collection plate around, you know, and take the offering. Well, he's been locked up for being a thief, and he's got 20 arrests on his rap sheet. You're not going to give him the collection plate and say, go take, you know, go bring and take the offering to the back. <laughs> you know, Jesus doesn't have a problem with calling authority what authority is. If authority ain't doing what it's supposed to do, Jesus will be like, uh, I, I, he of all people know Donald Trump is alive. Now, I'm not speaking against his salvation. I'm not saying Donald Trump is going to buck hell wide open because Jesus says we can't do that. We can't judge people's salvation. We can judge people's character. If somebody's shooting at you, it's easy to say they're trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. So I'm not judging Donald Trump's uh, salvation. That's, the, the Bible says you should know them by their fruit. Well, I don't know that Donald Trump is saved by his fruit. It doesn't mean Donald Trump is not saved. The Bible says you should know him by his fruit. But you don't know if he's saved or not if you don't see any fruit. So I get that part. Now, that segment, but the other thing that Pastor was saying, I, I wholly agree with the church and, and pretty much is dysfunctional in America because it is divided. There's a rebellious church. There's a, there's a what the Lord shall be, remnant church, a church that wants to obey. There are people down here who want to obey the Lord Jesus, and they live their life to that point. And people don't understand that a church can be stripped of its authority in the book of Revelation. One of the churches over there in Revelation one, I'm sorry, two and verse, I'm sorry, two and three, the second and the third chapter, which is written to us in this time. He talks about you better straighten up, or I'm gonna remove your lampstand from amongst the other life, the other churches. So people don't understand in this day and age, there are some churches that that in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, they're not even being a church in heaven. They're just somebody. The church took up an offer, paid the light gas bill, paid the rent, and they got a church. <laughs> and people think that they're a church. Well, Jesus is like, you're not even a church. I didn't even ordain you to be a church. I didn't even ordain some people. Apostle Paul said, you know, it's good. You test. I'm sorry, John wrote in Revelation. He said, you, you test the people who say they're apostles. I like that. That's a good thing. Jesus said, you want you didn't just take it for granted. So, and, and one thing that the pastor was saying, I, I wholeheartedly agree with, we as a church need to come together. Now, how that's going to happen, I've been praying, and I will continue to pray. I love everybody. <laughs> I'm going to continue to pray. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. the church, once they get a guitar player, once they get a good keyboard player and a good drummer, they, they have a church. So now it's entertainment. Well, one thing about what uh, what the Lord allowed with COVID-19 is now we have to do, like Lonnie was saying, we have to go vertical. We can't just go, okay, I, I'm going to show up and mm-hmm. sing in the choir this Sunday. Well, you, you can't even go to church this Sunday, or you couldn't go to church for the last three months. Okay, so now mm-hmm. what we have to focus on, we have to focus on our personal relationship with the Lord. And I say it like this, if the Holy Spirit allows me to, I'm waiting. Okay, amen. amen. You, Jesus don't want us playing church down here anymore. So he'd rather have us be with him on Sunday morning with a Bible 
and sitting in the chair in the front room, like, like you know, and and really being with the Lord Jesus instead of going and jumping and shouting and being in the thing every time. And then nobody, a lot of people don't understand what the church, apostolic church structure, people don't understand the church is actually supposed to be a, a bank. It's supposed to be helping people. One thing Pastor Lonnie said, we need to be a help. We all need to be a help to the situation, to the circumstance. A lot of people don't understand. The church was designed, the new, the, the, the first century church, Apostle Paul said, wait a minute, we need some elders to pass out this food so we can keep teaching the church. He didn't say don't pass out any food. A lot of these churches, especially these mega churches, they haven't passed out groceries. They got people in church starving right in front of them in, in back before COVID-19, starving in the pews, lights out. Food pantry, clothes, and I'm not talking about not they not living right. Okay, I get it. God, you know, He loves those, He chases those whom He loves. But and I'm not judging people, but these churches can band together and help people a lot more. They got some churches mm-hmm. that should be food pantries. They, you know, and then but they rather be entertainment than you know two big screens and you know and a, and a four you know a fourteen team praise team. And everybody in their church is hungry, and, you know, because they got they bought mm-hmm. a pastor, a new bench, or he needs a new plane or something. I don't, you know, I'm like, look, we need to work uh-huh. together, like, like, like I said, we need to come together and band together and say, okay, let's be an influence to help people. Uh, right. That's, I guess you could say, that's a response that I would have. Yeah, okay. I agree. That um so so I have a question. We're, we're over time, but we have some time, so it's up to you guys if you if you uh, want to continue or if you just want to close out now and consider a part two in a couple of weeks. It's uh, hey, it's, I'm it's good. I'm good. All. I'm enjoying this discussion. This is a wonderful okay. discussion. Watchmen, yeah, what about I, you? I'm What's in, your time I'm like? Elder Homer. I'm in. I'm good. Okay, this uh, is the question. I, I can I'm, go. I can go. Okay. All right. So the, the, the ministry of reconciliation, God is the God of reconciliation and um, all people need to come together. We always have a tendency to talk in black and white, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but there appears to be a huge major divide within Christendom. And I'm not talking about the various denominations. I'm talking about the divide that we are witnessing today. So I agree with, there needs to be reconciliation. And I personally am willing to take to move in that direction. But there's a divide. It's that 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 it's become politicized. And so I don't know who's who and what's what, but there's a divide. So you've got maybe a group of people who are facilitating this division in the name of the Lord. This mm-hmm. is what's disconcerting for me. You know, mm-hmm. in the name of the Lord. Yeah. I mean, they, they you know, I'm, and, I, and, and again, I go back to God as sovereign. I mean, they, they, they colonized countries and they, you know, justified slavery in the name of the Lord. So wh- what, what do you do with that? What do you, what do, you do with that? Who, you guys respond to that. I mean, I, I can go back and land and be okay and be on my feet and be fine. But mm-hmm. so, for the let me go ahead and, and be the leadoff man. Okay. I'll be the leadoff right, man, so. and these heavies can come after me. Um, the, <laughs> the, 
the, the, I've heard Pastor Pastor um, Alvin Curry refer to Jesus as being the plumb line. Uh-huh. You know, and so you know, first off, my I'm I'm believing that the there's only one thing, one factor that we divide over, and that's Christ Jesus. He's he's he is uh, the the you know that he is he is uh, he is God, and, uh-huh. and and that's a fact. So so that's where we we base our association, uh, you know, the deity of Christ. And so now, anytime you go and you look at what man is doing, we begin to divide. And and it's, uh-huh. I just think that that we're in a time now where that's that's illuminated. And so as as uh, I, I begin to 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 have situations where I can see a division, um, you know, there's a there's a, a conversation that we had in one of our church Zoom meetings several weeks ago. Uh-huh. After we have the sermon, we have uh, a, a time of fellowship, and this this occurred after the we've uh, after the George Floyd George Floyd killing, and and uh-huh. um, so folks were were wanting to talk about racism and the the fact that there's there's hatred in our country. Well, there, there was a, a position of one of our members of the congregation is is that there's hatred on both sides, black and white. Well, there's sin on both sides, first off. Let, let's uh-huh. just go there. There's there's sin, 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 and we all sin. And so, I, but but I, I don't think we, 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 we need to be looking for for reasons to, 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 to divide on, on that situation. I feel that, that there's an inordinate uh, number of, of black men that are being killed at uh, by police officers that they have a tendency not to to de-escalate, and then on the other hand, when when there's a, a white perpetrator, I, I think that that you know it's, I'm of the opinion that they, um, you know, try to de-escalate. So so that that's just my opinion, okay. And then so as we begin to express that, if it's if it's important, I think we need to go behind the the veil and 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 research it more and find out. Uh, why does Homer think that way? Why does this other brother think his way? Let, let's let's honestly have a conversation uh, about this. Uh, but if we want to stay stuck on what the talking heads are doing, and even for that matter, some of some of what what's coming out of the pulpit, if if it if it's not coming from Scripture, if it's not talking about loving thy neighbor. Uh, you know, if it's not you talking about using your current plight to spread the gospel, I'm suspicious. I, um, you know, I, there, there's definitely a divide. I, I've heard uh-huh. a, a pastor that I respect a great deal. I, I watched his him give a sermon to a church that was packed down in California. There were no masks visible. And people were elbow to elbow in the church, and he wanted to talk about the fact that there's a number of people in in our country that are still dissatisfied with the outcome of the previous election. And so, as we as we begin to do that, you've got to turn the page very quickly to how this apply how scripture applies to what you're talking about. 
You know, what are you trying to do? Because as I sat there listening to him, the divide becomes deeper. Now here's, here's a, a pastor that I've respected for years, got a collection of his books. Now I'm questioning those books. So before oh. I begin to do that, I must remember that he's got the Holy Spirit as a believer. I've got the Holy Spirit as a believer, and I've got to intentionally find ways to reconcile to, to, and not to divide. And, and it's not all just easy work. This is something okay. we must be intentional about it. And as pastors, we cannot be irresponsible in the way that we're communicating. We, now more than ever, you've got to be responsible about what you're saying from that pulpit because you don't want to cause a brother to fall or to stumble. And, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. you know, so so first first thing has to happen is that we've got to encourage people to check out their heart condition. Check it out. What's what's in your heart condition? Am I as a believer in Christ looking for a reason to divide, or am I looking for a reason to try and reconcile and build a bridge? Uh-huh. And and I believe that as a believer in Christ, that I'm to be looking for a bridge, even when. You're giving me a reason to divide, that, that I'm, I've, got to say, I've got to find a way to traverse that, that divide. Now, and I'm going to hush and, and let my heavy hitters talk to that. that, that that's good, Elder Homer. Okay, who wants to go next? Watchman, you have something. Now, now we really are winding down in time. We've got about 15 more minutes. So Watchman, and then I'll oh. let Pastor Lonnie go after that. Amen. So, uh, I agree with Elder uh 100%. The um the first point that he made concerning slavery. Uh a lot of people don't understand slavery in biblical times was more more of more of employment than the modern term of slavery that we in America have been used to seeing, you know, Harriet Tubman, uh, you know, Frederick Douglass, you know, a lot, of, you know, uh a lot of what American slavery is not exactly the same slavery. That doesn't mean there were no slaves in the Bible that ever got beaten or anything like that. I'm be, I'll make it quick. Here we go. Uh, Abraham, I was questioning the Lord one time and talking with him about it. And I asked the Lord about slavery. He refers to Abraham. When Lot got taken, I believe it was about uh, Abraham had some slaves. He had slaves. And he gathered all of his men together, and they went and rescued Lot and his family. So the Holy Spirit told me, he said, now, see, how can you get some slaves if they were treated like the slaves were treated in America, you know, uh, 1801, 18, whatever, before the Emancipation Proclamation and June 18th, two years, you know, with Texas. He said, if slaves are being treated like, the way they were treated in American slavery times, he said, do you think they would have went and fought for Abraham to rescue Lot? I said, gassy boy. He said, so slavery as set up in the Bible, slaves obey your master. He said, it wasn't never designed to be an abusive situation. The master had to supply his slaves with wives, with a place to live, with food, I said, okay, Lord. He said, so it's more of an employment 
And in employment, you have to take care of the people you employ, which we don't really see much of that today, but, okay, that's another broadcast. Here we go. Mm -hmm. So to touch on the slavery issue, God never cursed Ham. Let me just say it. God never cursed God. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to slow down. Jesus never cursed Ham. Now, it's been taught in churches in America for hundreds of years that God cursed Ham. And no, he did. I heard prominent uh, John Hayden say in the pulpit on on one of his broadcasts, I'm going to show you in the Bible where God cursed Ham. He read the text, and the text says, Noah woke up and cursed Ham. The Bible never said God cursed Ham. The Bible says Noah cursed Canaan. So let's deal with the little whatever little racial thing concerning that. God never cursed Ham. Of course, African-American, whatever, Africa predominantly comes from Ham. Okay, here we go. Let's keep it rolling. So you could say, and you, you can't say because it said in Galatians chapter 3, Jesus took every curse off of us. I agree with Pastor Lonnie in his uh, wonderful assessment of, you know, delivering the gospel to people properly. That could be our focus. So thank God did curse him. Jesus, once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's no curse on you. There's no curse of ham, air quote, on you anyway. But, oh, well, a lot of people say Sunday morning is the most segregated, church is the most segregated place in the world. But, it's been taught. So sometimes people have that teaching. They grew up with that teaching that, okay, I'm better than somebody. Well, Jesus is no respecter of persons. So if you continue to read the Bible and study the Bible, you'll find out God didn't curse hands. So we're not lower than anybody. Uh, I'm on this boat, and how did I get off? How do I get off of it now? But here we go. <laughs> we're not different. We're not lower than anybody. So here we go. So if you accept Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, there's no curse on you anyway. Now, we do have to govern ourselves according to the Bible, according to the word of the Lord, to be pleasing to the Lord. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. Love your, love your neighbor. I love what Elder was saying. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Pastor Lonnie, he was saying we, got, we all have to get ourselves out of this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, you know, I got over there and got into that. I heard what the elder said, and I said, well, I'm, I'm, I got to touch on it a little bit. There's no curse of ham. <laughs> curse God didn't curse ham. Thank you, you so know, much. You know, who was that? Uh, what's his name? Put that in the soul field. Put that in the soul field Bible, and everybody, you know, been believing that ever since. But I'm going to tell you something. We are in the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is yes. above every citizenry. It's above every citizen, every statehood. Every country, we live above that. And so, like, like mm-hmm. Pastor was saying, if we, if we would govern ourselves, if, we, if my people were called by my name, okay, I can get some more stuff accomplished down. <laughs> you know, and that's why I'm mm-hmm. going to cut my time and let somebody else pass the line and say something. Glory <laughs> to God. All right. Hey, Amen. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank yes, you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so let me. So let we've me got give about ten. Maybe. We've got about ten minutes. We've got about ten minutes. Okay. So I'm going to let you go, Pastor okay. Lonnie. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so let me give just maybe some uh, a couple of practical things to think about in terms of how do how do we 
bridge this divide. Um, mm-hmm. The only person that I have control over is me. And I can use my life to influence other people. And so when we talk about unity and loving each other, I have to start with me and ask the question, what can I do personally to increase the unity between blacks and whites in the church? And, and I, start, I always start in the church because it's, it's us as representatives of God who have the words of eternal life. We have God's uh, scriptures from Genesis to Revelation as a wonderful and perfect uh, word of instruction in terms of how to live a godly life and to honor the Lord. So how do I take that word and apply it to my life so that I become the instrument that God, basically an instrument in the Redeemer's hands? And so as a black man, and, and when, I, when I talk about this, some of this might feel counterintuitive because as a black man, I, I could feel like, okay, I've been part of this victim race. My people have been oppressed for, for centuries. Uh, white people just need to figure it out. And they, you know, they, they need to figure out what to do. They need to come to us and talk to us and get things right if there's going to be reconciliation. And if I, if I were just a black man, I might hold that position. But being a Christian who happens to be black changes the whole scenario because the gospel tells me to go after my white brother. The gospel tells me to lean into this relationship because the very nature of love, biblical love, is that love initiates contact. Love pursues the object of its love. And so I can't sit back passively and, and hope that my white brothers figure it out. I can't sit back and think, you know, I shouldn't have to educate them. Um, because the reality is, is we do need to help educate our white brothers who want to know who want to understand, who want to listen. They don't understand our experience. Um, so much of the racism that has gone on in America, many people, many who are white have been oblivious to because they don't have to think about it on a daily basis uh-huh. like we do. So uh-huh. we think about it every day. It's part of our thought process. It would be an error for us to think that just by talking about the subject of racism that they're going to get it immediately. We have to walk them through. Look, here, here's how being black in America has impacted me. And, here, and here's, what I'm, here's what I'm leading up to. So loving our white brothers and sisters, we, we have to create safe places for them to talk. One of, one of, the, one of the biggest fears that our white brothers and sisters have is being labeled as racist by saying the wrong thing, making the wrong comment, revealing that they have a certain belief that's never been tested. And 
But if we're going to love them and we're going to be active participants in racial reconciliation, we who are minorities create a safe place. We have to become safe ourselves. And when I say that, I don't mean we have to suppress any anger that we're dealing with in the sense of pretending that we don't struggle with our emotions when it comes to race and those kinds of things. But we need to communicate in a way that welcomes them uh, so that they feel the freedom to make their mistakes. I just had a conversation uh, with uh, a group today who were white. And one of the things that was expressed by one of the people in the group was, I don't have any black friends and I don't understand. Mm. There's a whole lot I don't understand. And I am so afraid to say the wrong thing and offend someone. And I, I said to her, I'll be your black friend. Whatever you, you test your stuff out on me. And, and so, so I was creating a safe place for her that enables us to grow closer together as a brother and sister in Christ. That's incredible. And that might be counterintuitive for us who are black because we've been so frustrated and we have not been heard in many ways, and it seems like, no, you need to make a safe place for us. But in reality, both parties need to be leaning in and asking the question, what can I do to serve you as we, as we seek to come closer together to serve our common Lord and Savior? So That is as counterintuitive, we, as we, and it will require prayer. Yes, uh-huh. it, it is counterintuitive, uh-huh. and it would require prayer. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, uh-huh. you know, you know, and and see, and the, and thank you for saying that, uh, Elder Homer. I mean, it's so mm-hmm. see because that see that's where I have to go vertical, because yeah. uh-huh. oh, okay. So in in John, get this in John seventeen twenty two and twenty three uh, through twenty four, when Jesus says, "I want you to be one," as He and the Father are one, so that the world would believe that He's the Son of God. Uh, Elder Homer, you said something a few minutes ago about the deity of Christ. He's basically saying our unity is going to convince people about the deity of Christ. But then he says something incredible, and when I understood what he was saying for the first time, it rocked my world. He says he also wants the world to know that, that the Father loves every believer And he uses these two words, even as he loves the son. And when I I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I I mean, I I read that verse many times and I was going through it and the Lord's like, no, you didn't get what I just said. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is, is that God the Father loves every Christian to the same degree that he loves Jesus, his only begotten son. Uh Uh-huh. And I had to I had to let that sink in. I would, at first I was overwhelmed with gratitude and awe that God loves me that much. I still can't get my mind around it. But when I took that truth and then I looked at it horizontally at my white brother, what Jesus is saying is that God the Father, brother, who might be the descendant of a slave owner to the same degree that he loves Jesus. And how is the world going to know that? 
the world's going to know it because me, as a black man, I'm going to tell them by the way that I love that white man. And so all, all of a sudden, when you start applying the gospel in this way, all of a sudden, the White House is not my problem. <laughs> my, my biggest issue is me loving to the degree that God has called me to love. You know, when, when I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus died praying for the people who were crucifying him. And, and you and I as believers say we want to be like Jesus. Well, if we want to be like Jesus, the Apostle Paul says, I want to fellowship in the suffering of Christ. Paul, Paul was saying, I, I love Jesus so much. I want to know Jesus so much. I want to be such a part of his experience. Tell me, tell me wherever uh, the gospel needs to be preached, people need to be loved, people need to be served. And if there's affliction attached to it, point me that direction because I'm going there. Huh. And, and in out as, as, as the victim race in America from slavery, Jim Crow, and all, all of that stuff. We, I, I, I don't know if I want to do that. I, in my flesh, I don't want to do that. But, but when it comes to knowing Christ and understanding his kingdom agenda, that he wants, uh, and, and um, Watchman uh, started off in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, he talks about every nation, tribe, and tongue around the throne. We're not going to be segregated around the throne, black people over here, white people over here. And so what Jesus is calling us to do now is to give the world a taste of heaven by the way we love one another and the way that we forgive one another and the way we lean into our relationships with one another. Because as we do that, the world is going to take notice. And then I'll give you this one last scripture, and then I'll wrap up. Uh, in, in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. So you might ask the question, or I would ask the question, okay, so as we come together, what are we supposed to do? Well, in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And oh. so as, as we come together as the church in greater degrees of unity, the thing that we should be doing is we should be doing justice in our society. And unfortunately, the reason Black Lives Matter exist is because the church hasn't been doing justice. The, the reason these protesters are burning things down is because they didn't see anybody doing anything that was effective. I mean, when you, when you look at how many of our black males are going from the schoolhouse to the jailhouse, the church hasn't stepped up and says, we've got to break this cycle. When we see how many of our young people are coming out of school illiterate and ill-equipped to uh, live a financially successful life, the church has been asleep at that. 
So when you look at all these social ills, the church is the one who should be doing justice, leading the way. And I think it was Watchman uh, a little while ago said something about mega churches. We're throwing all all this money, big money in the buildings while we're driving by the people that Jesus said, when you did it to the least of one of these, you did it to me. Or when you didn't do it to the least of one of these, you didn't do it to me. And so the church in America needs to go through a reformation. We need to shift our focus back to the gospel and saying, okay, let, let's lay aside our political idolatry. Let's stop talking about the Democrats, the Republicans, the liberals, or the conservatives and critiquing them, and let's critique us. And let, let's repent. Let's walk humbly with mm-hmm. our God. Let, let's turn from our mm-hmm. wicked ways, and, and let's do justice. Because when we do justice, think about this. When you do justice to somebody, when you serve them, when they're in a crisis and you deliver them, they are convinced that you love them. Convinced. And that's how, that's how the world comes to know the love of Christ. I'll stop right there. So, <laughs> Amen. So, Go ahead, Elder Homer. So when, when Paul got knocked off of his horse, he was sure of his mission. He got knocked mm. off of his horse, and uh, once once he he was he was blinded. And then, who was the first uh, gentleman he was introduced to? Where the Lord had asked him, "I want you to minister to this to this guy." Mm. Mm. Uh, was it Nicodemus? Was it um, a Nicodem- Nicodemus? No, and was it? Ananias. Didn't start with an A, Ananias. Yeah, I think he's supposed to go and minister to him. Yeah. So, so I just just in in tracking with Pastelani and the Watchman on this. So, as as we reach out with that olive branch, um, as Ananias in in that role, I'm I'm thinking, are you sure, Lord? Are are you sure you want me to to reach out here? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna right. do what you tell me to do, but are you sure? Mm-hmm. And and so we've got to understand that that folks are are gonna doubt. Now, I, mm-hmm. I, you, you got to know that I, I know that all three of us, including um, uh, Sister Nausea, we understand that the answer is the church. That the church mm-hmm. uh, is is complicit in the issues. The church is. Uh, the part is is the solution. We understand that. We understand that the church is supposed to be not only the bank, but the psychologist, the psychiatrist, all of that sort of thing. We know that that's mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. But man, it it it's just gonna we're just gonna have to let God. And that that's where that's where I'm looking. I, I know that we mm-hmm. have Donald Trump in the White House because God allowed that, just as He allowed Nebuchadnezzar to to rule over mm-hmm. Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, mm-hmm. he he allowed it. That's and right. There's purpose. There's purpose in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna stop right there. Yeah. I'm gonna stop. Right well, there. that's good. And I just mm-hmm. I want to add that the church, when you say it's the, the uh, it's in the it's the the answer is the church. The answer, really, I think, is Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. 
And as a result of being believers, then we make up the body of Christ, which is the church. It's not that it's not the physical building; it's the body of mm-hmm. believers. So I just need to throw that in. Yes. But listen, we are yeah. out Amen. of time. We've been on here an hour right. and a half. I'm so glad I padded time in here. I cannot yeah. thank you all enough. I am eternally grateful for you to you. And I also want to uh, entertain the thought of having a part two. Uh, we can talk about when that might work for everybody. But I just mm-hmm. think this was really, really what we prayed about for the Lord to have his way and his yes. will today. And yeah. make sure you share mm-hmm. this with your circle of friends so I can send you the link for them to be able to listen to the pre-recorded uh, podcast. Uh, Pastor Lonnie. Yes. We had callers mm-hmm. on who were waiting to ask you questions, and they oh, okay. fell off. And uh, Mr. Sneed, Steve Sneed, had a question for you. He texted me and said that he you answered it, but you might want to reach out to him, and okay. and just make sure, that. okay? Just make sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 Mr. Watchman. Steve and Vita said hello. They were on the call listening, and uh, so they just oh, said to tell you the shout out in Chicago. Uh, you know your cuz. <laughs> we're all family. <laughs> we're, we're all family. We're all family, right? Interdistrict finest. Yeah, yeah. Vita was the one that I was saying. Yeah, that we got a call on the long do you, line. Do you want to say anything? Do you want to say anything? And then she didn't say anything. I don't think she wanted to. But she was listening. So with that, let me just let me close with the scripture that I had in the promotional material, which is Psalm 24, 1 and 2. And it says, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So with that, I just want to say, let's keep our eyes on the prize. Jesus Christ is our hope for today. He Amen. is the answer Amen. to the turmoil, the chaos, and the unrest. And years ago... In 1992, think about where you were. Rodney King coined the phrase, can't we all just get along? Can we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? And that's my cry and my prayer for our nation today and the world. And I am willing, I'm making a, 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 a profession here, I am willing to take the step toward reconciliation. I'm going to own up to that. I'm going to make myself available for conversation. So I'm just saying it on air today, mm-hmm. and someone's going to hold me accountable. I know you all will hold me accountable, mm-hmm. but I know God will hold me accountable too. So with that, I yeah. want to thank you. I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you'll be hearing from me again so we can figure out if this is something we want to continue um, in, a, in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to play my outro Invite music, and then I'm going to – all right. Okay. All right. Thank you, my brothers. Thank you. All right. God bless you all. Thank you so much. All right. Take God care. bless.